You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you would like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Alrighty, so I have been given the topic today of what real community looks like. Um, Yeah, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Uh, But I want to focus on this topic of better together. All right, so that's what real community looks like to me, better together. Thank you for coming this Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. All right, can I have the band up? No, we're not going to wrap it up there. But I want to start with a story today, um, and I want to take us back to 2007. I'm sure most of you guys weren't born. Who wasn't born in 2007? Jeepers, that scares me. Yep, Jeff Not you were born in 1977, mate. But <laughs> 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 No, <laughs> so... Uh, I'll tell you about 2007, and I was about, I was nine years old, and um, my dad had just uh, accepted a job to be a new pastor uh, in Wakery, um, and me and my sister were quite young at the time, and at that point, um, yeah, I was nine, Tony was 12, so we were both pretty young, and at that time, we had one community around us that shaped us. We went to a church in Gawler called Northside. Uh, you know, my mate Cohen and I used to go to Northside and it was great. We used to run around and get told off by his dad for slamming doors and running down hallways. Um, and I was living the dream. I was nine years old. I grew up on five acres in Williamstown. Every Saturday morning, rain, hail or shine, I'd be out there in my little crow's footy shorts, got the crow's guernsey on and I'd kick ten goals for the crows to win it. Every Saturday morning, I'd go down and kicks it to Downing, weaves around Chris Judd, then on his left and kicks a goal. You know, I was living the dream. It was fantastic. Um, and then Dad wrecked it by telling us we're moving to Wakery. Um, but when Dad told us that, I uh, didn't really know what to expect. I, you know, all my life I lived in Williamstown. I was at a school uh, called St. Jacoby and life was great. I went to church, I had really good friends. And then when Dad told us we were moving, I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means for me. And I was a very anxious kid growing up. Um, If you see all my kindy photos, I am crying in the corner because I didn't want a photo with all the other kids. I didn't want to say hi to Humphrey Bear. I wasn't keen for the Wiggles to come. Anything in a big suit, I would hide behind my mum, where mum would literally have to go, get off me, leave me alone. I know, crazy that I'm energetic and stuff today, isn't it? But I was really nervous all the time, Um, really quite shy and... You know, I didn't really know what to expect. So um, Dad was uh, getting stuff ready for us to move up there. And um, one day I'm going to talk about a guy named Chris Pepulani and the Pepulani family. Now, if I cry today, don't, don't be like, whoa, he cries. Because I cry every time I speak, right? Just a heads up. Every time I'm up here doing something, I'll cry. So if I cry, it's just a stock standard thing for me, okay? I'm not really sad. I'm just emotional, okay? It's all good. So, yeah, Chris came up to my dad and Dad was lifting things out of the truck with my Uncle Slacky and... Um, you know, they were, they were doing things and getting stuff ready for the house. And this guy named Chris Pepulani, who was actually in the church at the time, came up and said to Dad, saw him struggling, and you'd think a guy would come up and say, do you want a hand or can I help you move? But no, Chris said, would you like a glass of juice? <laughs> Which is a bit odd. Would you like a glass of juice? Was it orange or apple, Dad? We didn't have it. We didn't even have juice at the time. Great. So Dad was clearly, you know, going, holding a, whatever he was lifting out of the truck and saying, no, I don't want a glass of juice. I want your help. But Chris said, okay, and, and that was it. But, you know, at that time, Chris, Chris's family became very important to, to me and Tonya um, growing up. We became really close friends with their family and 
Um, I became best mates with his, his son, Caleb, who um, we would used to run around and do stuff while Dad was preaching. I remember one time Dad would preach at the church and I had a clicker that was somewhat like this. And I'm sitting in the back and we found this green laser pointer on the top. We were like, what does this do? And we were pointing it right in Dad's eye. And we were just like, how fun is this? So Dad's trying to preach and he's doing these ones. He's got this green dot in his face and then you get his bald head and try and smoke it up. And, you know, so we, we got up to mischief and whatnot. And then Tonya became friends with Caleb's uh, sister, Ruth. And they accepted us into their community from day one. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today is community, what real community looks like. You know, Caleb opened up new doors for me um, as I joined the local footy team. I uh, played for the Ramco Roosters while I was up there and Tonya became really close friends with Ruth and they did whatever they did. I didn't really know what they did. I was just hanging out with Caleb. They, oh, they played netball. Yes, Tonya had a great successful netball career. Um, and we also formed... <laughs> sorry. Good times. We also formed one of the best garage bands you'll ever see playing to Green Day with brooms and mops and not singing the swear words because that's not good. And I was playing, I don't know, drums on buckets or something and that's where I learned how to play drums and Tony would sing into this broom head and it was great. We had the time of our lives. But because these guys formed us into their community. But I want to focus on that part before where I was not accepted into the community and where I felt alone, where I felt anxious and shy and scared of what was really to come. But, you know, what's wrong with being alone? But we learn in Genesis 2:18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a suitable helper for him. Now, I have the best helper anybody has ever given me in my beautiful wife, Lily. She is very well organised. I am not organised. She is very calm and level-headed. I am sporadic and all over the shop. I am loud, she is quiet. We balance ourselves out quite well, don't we, love? Yeah. She loves, she loves golf. I'd rather stay home and clean the house. It works out. <laughs> Good thing I'm going to the golf again today. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Talk to you later, love. Um, but then... <laughs> So in Genesis 2.21, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall, in, uh, to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed it up, and placed it with flesh. Very early on, we get this picture of how big community is to men. And God knew from the very start that we are not destined to live alone or do life alone. We are destined to be with one another, commune with one another, be in his presence with one another. Um, I can just imagine how stoked Adam would have been the first time he saw Eve just going to sleep. And the next morning, there's this beautiful woman beside him. And he would have thought, I don't have to do this on my own. I don't have to share this beautiful garden by myself. I have Eve. And then we all know the story anyway. But it goes on from there. So, but in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. A three-chord strand is not easily broken. So today I want to talk about and focus on the three-chord strand. And one of the best stories in my mind in the Bible is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Three guys who stood strong 
together, right? And if you don't know about the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Abednego we find it in Daniel 3, where these three Jewish men are taken captive um, from Jerusalem to Babylon um, because they refused to bow down to a golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had built at that time, right? So it's quite a troubling time. So they're taken out of where they are, out of their community, and put into a different one where they're facing certain death by a fiery furnace, right? So we'll pick up in Daniel 3, verse 17. And this is the boys speaking. They said, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I love how they say, we will not worship. It's not one of the boys saying, I won't worship, but these two might. It's we won't worship together. They are standing strong together. I can imagine how difficult it would have been if it was just one of them who were taken captive. And they said, bow down. How much resilience do you reckon they would have had if it was just them? If it was just one of the guys facing certain death by a fiery furnace? I know that if it was me, I probably would have crumbled. But if you, know, you have good support around you, you can stay strong, can't you? You can stay strong in certain death, in areas of our lives where it just seems too much to overcome by ourselves. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious by this and he told the furnace to be turned up by seven times the original heat. Imagine how hot that would have been. So they've been told they're going to face certain death by this fiery furnace and then they say, no, we're not going to bow down. So he cranks the heat up. He cranks the pressure up on them. He puts more pressure on their three-chord strand, doesn't he? But the boys still hang tough. Don't they? They know that you know what. Our God will deliver us from this certain death. Our God that we serve is better than this fiery furnace. The God that we serve is stronger than your golden statue. The God we serve will provide for us and save us. It's crazy. It's a testament of great faith, isn't it? Verse twenty-two says the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these guys who carried these guys up to the furnace have died, right? So they've been, like, overcome by this heat. And these three boys are still going there going, okay, Lord, rock up, turn up, all right? I don't care about these three dead guys here that carried us up. We're still going to serve you, and we know that you're going to show up. By this point, if it was me, I probably would have gone, oh, okay, calm down. I get really sweaty in Australian summer. Like, I struggle hardcore. Lily's always cold. I'm always hot. It, see, works out well for us again. But I would struggle so much in that. But these three boys hung tough. I can imagine they were shaking in their boots and freaking out and going, oh, my gosh. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So now we get the picture of these three boys who are in the furnace together. I want to get that picture in, in our heads of they're in this together. They fell into the blazing furnace together. In verse 24 to 26, he says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the burning furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire. Imagine that picture of just King Nebuchadnezzar has chucked these three guys into the fire and they're going, all right, they're dead. 
fantastic, let's move on, let's go get lunch. And then they look in the furnace and they're just standing in there. A bit hot, isn't it? Yeah. It's a nice furnace. But there's another man in there, isn't there? So I can imagine King Nebuchadnezzar would go, huh? He'd look at, what? How many people we put in? How many guards are in there? But there was four in there. And as we know, the fourth one was Jesus. I love the King Nebuchadnezzar change of heart in this as well. <laughs> that he goes, ah, where am I? To? Sorry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out and come here. Servants of the Most High God. Before he was saying, bow down to my golden calf, my golden statue. This is what we need to worship. And now these three guys who are standing in the furnace with the, with the Son of God, and he's in there and he goes, huh? I said, oh, we need to worship this guy because this guy's standing in the furnace unharmed, unscathed, isn't he? I love it. It is, it is fantastic. And, um, yeah, the change of heart is such an amazing part of this story. Um, my dad and I often get compared to each other. We look the same, same hair, same beard, same superannuation. And, <laughs> gee, that was good. That was witty. Um, <laughs> but something my dad and I love the most is sport. And if you ask anybody, I talk about sport nonstop, and so does my dad. Ask Lily. She's rolling her eyes now as I say it. But dad talks about sport a lot in his messages, so surely I'm going to have to talk about sport in my message. Are we excited about that? Yes. <laughs> I love that all my mates are like, yes, sport. Come on. All right. We'll talk about these guys and this team here. Who knows who this guy is here? LeBron James. Sure. <laughs> Mum knows. So this is Stephen Curry. Um, he was a part of the 2016 Golden State Warriors who went on to have the best NBA record in the league. Um, they took it from the... Uh, 1996 Chicago Bulls, um, who had the record of 71 and 11. No, 72 and 10, sorry. And the Warriors beat it with 73 and 9. So they won 73 games, right, out of an 82-game season. So that's quite a few wins. But what was great about this team is not the fact that Steph Curry is the best shooter the world has ever seen. It's not the fact that Draymond Green could get rebounds like no one else or they had the best coach. It was the fact that they... Um, their slogan was strength in numbers. They knew that if they worked together as a 15-team unit, they could defeat anybody that they had against them. They could defeat LeBron James. Thank you, Seth, who was one of the best players in the world at the time. They could beat any team because they knew that their slogan was strength in numbers. If they work as five guys on the court, that's so much better than having one player who's really good, isn't it? In the EPL, you see Liverpool singing, You'll Never Walk Alone. And this song means showing support and solidarity. So these guys know that if we walk together, if you're not by yourself in this, you are so much stronger as a unit than you are by yourself, aren't you? Imagine that. Imagine this crowd. You're facing this crowd and you walk out to play an EPL game and you see this crowd and it's nuts. Liverpool fans are here, so I've got to be careful about what I say. I don't really know that much about soccer, but I think Liverpool are good this year, right? Uh, uh, half and half. But their slogan still means something, right? So never walk alone. They know that walking together as a team is so much better than walking alone. But then you see in Australian sport and you see the crappy rip-off, which is the Never Tear Us Apart by Port Adelaide. And, you know, it's just not as good. The Never Tear Us Apart. You know, we've got this, the big banners. You know, I was there for a showdown once and that is actually fantastic to be in. That made me go, Yeah! 
oh, it just, it pumps you up when you're together and you're singing this in excess song and everybody's going, ooh, it's great. But then you look at the best team in the NFL and they say, and they say, we fly as one. We together do this as one. It's never about doing it by yourself in sport, is it? Or it shouldn't be about that in life either. It's not about doing things by yourself. It's about doing stuff together as a collective group, isn't it? It's fantastic. Um, But we do know that doing community with others isn't as easy as it sounds, is it? It's not just, let's love one another all the time. There's things that can hold us back. We can withdraw ourselves from community with others. We can get offended or we can offend people and that can draw us out of community, can't it? If we get offended by a church, we can withdraw from that church or if we get offended by a friendship, a marriage, anything, we can withdraw ourselves from that. But what we really need to do is press into that and press into those around us to get that support from one another, don't we? Because when we withdraw, we go back to ourselves. We withdraw and go back into what we know, which is safe and comfortable. But community isn't always safe and comfortable, isn't it? We can hold on to our past hurts. I mean, there have been many times where somebody's hurt me and we can hold that up and we can build a fence around ourselves, can't we? We can literally build a fence around ourselves and stop us from engaging with one another. And God is saying, no, that's not the point. That's not what you need to do. It's about being with one another, being together, isn't it? You build a fence around yourself and you're stuck. It's, it's pretty tricky. We can also be quite selfish. Now, I learned this one big time when I got married. I didn't realise how selfish I was when I was just living with mum and dad. But when you get married, that becomes exposed, doesn't it? You see, show your selfish side and that can tend to break us out of community as well. We can be a lot of things that make it hard to be in community with one another can't we? We can really struggle if people can offend us and that helps, uh, holds us back from joining and being in community with one another. In the Bible, there are a lot of verses which help us to build relationship though, which Jesus says. He calls us to be with one another. So we'll look at them today. There's certain rules about this. So in 1 Peter 4 verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So that one there, love one another. It's not about love yourself. It's about love your neighbour. Love the person next to you. Ephesians 4, 2 to 6. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all. The one God and one Father of all was with Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego in the furnace, wasn't he? Who is, all, all, who is over all and through all and in all, which was the slogan of youth camp this year, wasn't it? Yeah, which is really cool. It's a great message. Zechariah 7, 9 to 10. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, do not poor, sorry. Do not plot evil against each other. This is about mercy and compassion to one another, isn't it? It's not about holding a grudge. It's not about building up these walls to the person that's offended you. It's about showing mercy and compassion to someone, and even mercy and compassion to someone who's struggling. Right? We can find that. Oh, we get so busy, we get caught up in our routine where we go, I can't, I can't help this person at the minute. I can't show this person compassion and mercy because I've got a lot going on in my world. 
But it's not about us, is it? It's about being together, being in one community with another, lifting your teammate up, helping your teammate. Galatians 6 to 2. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Sorry, guys. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. I love this slide. <laughs> this one's so funny because I walked in today and, you know, I probably had pre-preach jitters. And my favourite thing is, is that Uncle Glynn came up to me. The very first thing he said to me today was, oh, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say today. I can't wait. And I said, well, brace yourself. It's not going to be very good. <laughs> you know. And, but that was like, oh, I feel encouraged. I feel like that if I can fail today, I know that Uncle Glynn will support me. I know that my family will support me. I know that Lily will support me if I fail. I know my sister will support me if I fail. She says no, but she would. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of community, is that if you fail, you have so many people around you that can help you and lift you back up and say, let's go again. Let's go. If you're by yourself, it's actually quite hard to keep being motivated, isn't it? If you keep failing and you're by yourself, you go, oh, I suck. I'm a nobody. I have no friends. School's hard. But if you have that community and that person around you, you can do anything. You can accomplish absolutely anything. You can walk out of a fiery furnace, can't you? Because you have two other people around you who have the same goal and the same drive as you. Galatians 6 verse 2. It said, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That is about communicating with one another. Like, I know that I have a few people that I'm held accountable to and we, we uh, sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. You know, you can talk about and go, look, I'm really struggling with this area of my life. My marriage is struggling right now. My prayer life is struggling. And you can talk to those people and go, let's just talk about it. And they can give you helpful advice. They can help you overcome this. But if you're in your own world, you can all get caught up in your head, can't it? You can keep it together and it can pile on and pile on and pile on to the point where it's just, what's the point? What's the point? But if you're held accountable to someone, you can talk to someone about, look, I'm really struggling in this area. Life's hard. And they, they, well, if they're a good friend, hopefully they'll help you out, won't they? But what I love about this is the key word is one another. It's not saying love yourself, carry your own burden, be selfish, you know, show mercy and compassion to yourself. But it's saying about one another, isn't it? Love one another, carry each other's burdens. It's not saying do it yourself. God from day one in Genesis knew that it was not good for us to live by ourselves. He knew that we need to carry each other's burdens, love one another, show mercy to one another. You know, we can get caught up in our own routine. I know I definitely can where it's all about me. I've got to do my own thing. But it's not about that, is it? It's about loving one another and being there for one another, which is quite tricky. But with the grace of God, we can do that. Matthew 18 to 20, uh, 20 sorry, says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I, are, there I am with them. I love this verse because it gives us a, a sign of reassurance, doesn't it? When two or three are gathered, boom, the Lord rocks up. When two or three are gathered, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, boom, there he was in the fiery furnace. That's the thing. We can't do it by ourselves, can we? We can't say, oh, we need this. We need the grace of Jesus in our lives. We need um, God to rock up. You know, Dad spoke about launch point before. And God rocks up every time, whether there's 75 people here or there's six. It doesn't matter. God rocks up every time. 
And we've seen miracles happen. We've seen salvations happen. We've seen relationships we've restored. You know, we've prayed for people in these Sunday services and they go, oh, I'm healed. Nick got healed. Candice, um, uh, Kay, uh, not Kay, Pete got healed. His back got healed. You know, God rocks up and does things in this very church. It's not like God just does the things that he did in the Bible and we go, oh, that's a cool story. No, God is still alive today and is the same today, tomorrow and forever, isn't he? Who can do the same things that he did back in the day. I'm so grateful for the love of God. 1 John 4.11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I can't stress this enough. If God can forgive my sins who is, I'm a pretty rubbish person at sometimes, and I have sin and regret as far as I can see. But God wiped it all away. When Jesus died on the cross for us, all of that was gone. We just celebrated Easter, and the cross is the most beautiful picture of community. It is the greatest uh, remembrance that we can do of how Jesus brought us into community with each other and with him. Everything was torn away. The curtain was stripped in two which gave us direct access to him. You know, who am I to not forgive someone when God has forgiven me? For everything that I've done to him, <laughs> everything that I've done to others, how can I not forgive? How can I not love? And that's the thing. We need Jesus' grace and love in our lives to do that to others. It's a follow-on, knock-on effect. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Um, it all comes down to love, and there should be a band who sang It's All About Love. I think the Beatles sang a song about love, didn't they? Yep, great. So there is a song written about it. But we need God's grace and love in our lives, don't we? Let's pray, and I'll get the band up. Our Father, we, we thank you so much for the love and the grace that you show us. We thank you so much that you're here with us today and that you can build up our confidence to love others, Father. We thank you for you loved us first, that we can love others, Lord. And we pray that as we go on with our weeks, that we can love others um, and that we don't get caught up in our own routines. But we thank you so much for who you are and everything in our lives. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.